there's so much I could say about him, but I will just say this. I love this man. Have a great big love for him. And please open your hearts and your spirits wide open and honor with me Leif Hetland. Thank you, thank you. Right before the service, uh, I was just looking on my phone because uh, the beautiful part is I used to have memory stones where I, I still carry a bag full of pictures, but they weigh so much. And now I can have it on the phone. So what I do is often I just go through, say in the last month, and I just see pictures of what God is doing so I never get distracted by what God is not doing. So I carry that with me, and it's like I, I have the, in my bag, I have the first creative miracle that I ever saw, which was in Pakistan in 1996 of a quadriplegic that for 12 years had been paralyzed from his neck and down after he broke his neck. And his friends, seven of them, they carried him on a stretcher, put him on the top of a bus, to be able to get it because the bus was full. So they carried, put him on the top of a bus and they went for four and a half hours on the top of the bus to be able to get to the meeting. They carried him in a stretcher. And when they came towards, they were, shout, they were shouting and I thought, am I in trouble? It was, I was a Baptist pastor, very new at this, and I'm in a dark setting in a place called Multan, Pakistan. And as these crowds came towards me with these brown eyes and, and chanting with their nice, beautiful beards... I'm like, am I in trouble? <laughs> but when they came closer and closer, I saw this person who was walking in the middle of them. And it was the first time ever I saw the creative miracle. I had seen healings before. I'd never seen a creative miracle. And it did something with his Baptist pastor. But it was also the first time, and I have a picture that I have in my office and everywhere else. It was the first, late that night, they did something for me. It was just one of those encounters that keeps me going. With broken neck, with body cast, uh, sitting in a wheelchair, uh, six surgeries uh, uh, just in that season. Eleven years of opiates just because of all the pain. And just all these different things you go through. The tumor and losing 46 pounds and almost dying. Or guns in your mouth and, and just... Uh, having 500 guys with machine guns showing up to kill you, and you're calling home and saying, hey, uh, I have 500 guys that they're just around, around, they're, they're coming to kill me. What am I supposed to do? Kind of thing. Don't call your wife that way, by the way. If, <laughs> if you have 500 guys with machine guns come to kill you, don't call your wife and say, I hope I'm going to be okay. Uh, and it was almost 40 hours before she got to hear from me and we were able to be smuggled out of the country and got into another country. But that one night, I remember so clearly, we'll never forget as long as I live, there is this one lady that captured my heart. And there's always one person. It's not the multitudes, but this one lady. As I was, uh, I was looking as I'm saying around and just being overwhelmed by, by all these people that met Jesus for the first time. Just remember, I'm coming from a little of 30,000 people just on the video that you saw there in three days we saw more people saved than my whole city in three days I mean this is changing every paradigm so, so in this, but this one woman with a full burqa she came up to me she was a heavier set she opened up her face so I was able to see this face I never forget it almost 20 years ago but I never forgot that face 
And she said, I, uh, we had a translator, but I, I received Jesus. I, I prayed a prayer. I said, that's wonderful. And she said, I, I also got healed. And you could see kind of a joy when she was described by, I also got healed. And I said, oh, that is wonderful. But then instead of the joy of the salvation and the healing, her whole face kind of got dark. And with a sadness, she says, but how long have you known about this Jesus? And I was thinking, my country, Norway, at the time, celebrated 1,000 years anniversary from the time when Christianity first came to my country. And then uh, I, I said, well, my country, we've had Jesus for 1,000 years, and I've always kind of uh, known about Jesus. And she said, well, why didn't you come earlier? She said, my husband, he died, and he never got to hear this good news. And my son, he died of cancer two years ago. He never got to hear about this Jesus. And nobody in my village where I come from, they have never heard about this Jesus. They don't know that Jesus is alive. So why didn't you come earlier? Why didn't you come earlier? And I never forgot, it was not the multitude. It was this one woman, and I carried that picture with me. Why didn't you come earlier? And the only thing I could say is I've been distracted. At that time, I was going to Kenya, or going to Guatemala, or Romania. I went all over the world to other places. And I fed the same first rows over and over. But the people in the back rows that has never once heard the name of Jesus, they never once got fed. And there's 1.7 billion people right now in the world. I mean, they've never met Jesus. They've never met a good God, a good father. They've never met a father that loves the world so much that he would send his only begotten son. A God that loves Ishmael so much also. He loved Isaac, but also Ishmael. And I don't know if you're realizing that at Abraham's funeral, and Abraham is a beautiful picture of a father of two specific faith, that kind of was actually two religion that was birthed out of that. And you can say, well, Ishmael... Uh, uh, and Muslims have a different view than we have on this. But according to that, it's very clear. Just read it in the scripture. I just saw it a year ago, and I wrote a chapter about it. And the ones that are loving Muslim on purpose, what we do is we send out once a month also teachings to train you eventually to be able to, knowing how to love Muslim, knowing how to change atmosphere. This is not the trickery type of things, but it is what you don't understand you fear. And what I'm trying to do is just to help us to see the problem is not the darkness, it's just the lack of light. And the problem is not even the gross darkness, it's the lack of glory, because glory penetrates gross darkness. The terrorist Saul becomes the Apostle Paul as soon as it gets close to this kind of a love. And you have authority over what you love, I mentioned yesterday. You have authority over what you love. But to do that, we have to receive that love, the love that God has. Anyway, at Abraham's funeral, you can see there is Isaac. But by the side of Isaac, there's this guy that is dressed a little bit different. He probably looked a little bit different. And I'm trying to be careful because tonight's message, I, we're going to put it online. Yesterday, I said a little bit too much personal stuff. Because the whole world hears what you say these days. But I'm just saying that, so here you can see Isaac is standing there, and everybody knows that Isaac is a son. He's a son of Abraham. But then the question is, at the funeral, just watch it in scriptures, when you see at the funeral, there was somebody else standing by the side of him. And who was that guy? And who is his family? Oh, it's Ishmael. Who's Ishmael? Oh, he's the son of Abraham. But, but how did he get restored with Isaac? Oh, it was the father's desire. 
And they are standing there at the funeral of the father. You see a father and you can see a totally restoration. It's also a picture and a typology of something that is on a father, God's heart. I want Ishmael also to come home. I don't want him to be an orphan any longer. I don't want Ishmael to be out in the wilderness. Because the whole spirit of Ishmael is God cannot be a father. He cannot have a son. He was rejected in that spirit of rejection. Another picture of another one. How many remember the story of Esau? Jacob and Esau. But when Jacob had an encounter with God, he had been an orphan all of his life in the sense of his heart. I mean, he had received a blessing, but that was not enough for him. A lot of us, we've received blessing, but it was not enough. He was constantly going around, had to strive, he had to compete, he had to do different things to be able to get the fulfillment in his life. But his one night, we remember, he had a wrestling match with this angel. He had a wrestling match with God, and he actually won. How did he win? He got pinned. He could no longer move himself, and the Bible says he wrestled with God and he won. And my question is for us also, when did you wrestle with God and won? And what happened, something changed in his nature from being an orphan to become a beloved son. He became a prince. He became Israel. Israel means prince. Jacob means a supplanter or liar, a deceiver. But now he became a prince. His identity changed. He became a son. But then the Bible says, now Esau's coming with 400 terrorists. Esau married into Ishmael's family. But now with vengeance, that's the terrorists, the first spirit of terrorism coming together. And I'm just helping you to be able to understand some of it. But here is the picture that became so beautiful for me. But after this encounter he had, now when this brother was come, before he would always do something. But this time, if you read the book of Hebrew 11 about Jacob and the story about Jacob, it gives three different evidences about him. But one of them is he leaned on the staff. He had learned to rest. And I mentioned yesterday, rest became his weapon of warfare. He's wearing the enemy out by resting. First up, before he's been restless all of his life. Always had to do something. But now, he can just be something. I'm a prince. But the Bible says something that I saw a couple of years ago for the first time. When he saw the terrorist, Esau, coming to kill him, he had seen the face of God. Read it. He saw the face of God. When he did that, something happened in the nature of Esau instead of coming to kill him. He doesn't see the same Jacob he saw in Israel. And something happened in his very nature. Instead of killing him with all the blood of terrorism in him, and he's coming there as a vengeance, he starts to embrace him. So I've just uh, been on this journey where I've been sitting in a room with one radical sitting right in the front of me, and I know that guy... Wants to kill me. Actually, the first person that got saved in that video that you saw up there was one that came to stop the meeting. He came there, was radicalized, and came to stop us. But what happened was, while in the middle of the meeting, the flames, fire of God, just came into the meeting, hit his spinal cord, and he could just feel this fire that went up and down during the meeting. And he's coming there to kill me, to stop. And he came up to testify it. But the reason is he had had a bad uh, scoliosis and he's just getting sovereignly healed by scoliosis. That's a good way to do it. So if you struggle with it, just bring fire from heaven over any one of them. Let it go up and down the body until eventually. It's a good way. Whoa. 
And that was the first testimony we had. I have to say one more because some of you remember my spiritual son, Paul Yotto from the Philippines. You remember him? And he's been here at Blazing Fire. But Paul Yotto, I had him with me. And, and it's fun to see because Paul is more an introvert. I'm the extrovert. He's the kind of the lean back. He's more the lamb and I'm more the lion. So he's kind of the Filipino sitting back there and kind of just seeing these languages are quite Filipino watching his, his spiritual dad. And then in the next moment, and he sees me stopping and I'm looking right over my shoulder at his glance, him sitting there. And I mean, we have, you saw the multitudes. And I said, well, now afterwards, I have my adopted spiritual son. I didn't, I didn't say spiritual. I said, my adopted son, because I had to use a language. From the Philippines. And he's going to come up here now. And he's going to release fire from heaven to all of you. And when he pray, all of you are going to watch out. Because the lame people are going to walk. The ones that are blind here, you're going to see. Tumors is going to disappear. You're going to see he's going to release. You're going to feel fire, fire, fire. It's going to fall over all of you. And I'm standing in the front of there. That was the second night. And by that night, we had over 40,000 people. And it just continued to double. And he's standing up there like... <gasps> So just be ready. And I'm like, and he's like, <laughs> I look over and he comes up there. But as soon as he came up and he had, a, had an encounter, I didn't know it. He had an encounter with fire right before and he didn't know what it meant. <laughs> and this is the fun part of being family. It was you know, the, the greatest miracle, over 3,000 creative miracles. And we saw 30,000 healings during those three days. That's, that's not bad. So, I'm just telling you that we, we have to do some deep sea fishing. That's where the big fish, but that's also where the big storms are. So, But some amazing things are taking place when you risk everything for the kingdom. And as I say, I'm in love. And that's part of the reason, even with these love partners that are, it was actually based upon a prophetic word on my shift in season. That's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the secrets of the seasons. I'm just going to give you some secrets of the season that we are living in. And I'm going to connect that very clearly to go a little bit deep. Because there's something, how many of you, let me just ask a question. How many are no longer what you used to be, but you have not become what you're supposed to become? Let me... Okay, uh, so you are in what we call an inlet of transition. How many of you recognize there's a transition? It's not just in you, it's happening all over the world. There's several things, if I was going to be the prophet today instead of an apostle, as a prophet, then I will tap into explaining. What you're seeing, there's a sunset going on on the wall, and there is a sunrise coming up. And you're right in the middle of that inlet. There is a tension going on right now all over the world. There's a shaking going on and there's a major shift going on on many different levels. I wish I had a time to be able to kind of take you through a bigger picture, but to make it in a very small. And when England, I mean, let me go back a little bit for one. Do you remember Rome? How many of you remember Rome? You need to understand there was a key reason why Jesus was born during the time in Rome. 
was in government. Because the world had come to Rome, and Rome was going to the world, and Jesus was placed into that kind of a setting. Because that's when, when there's a unipolar world, mean there's one nation that has been entrusted, even if it is not the godly nation. It is one at the time that has the highest morality. There's been 26 of these cycles since the beginning of mankind, where there was one nation that was entrusted by God. That nation and usually lost its morality. Other nation came up. Those nations started in position. It was not that easy to get growth and to get the kingdom to flourish during those atmosphere. Those nations would start to fight. Usually it was about five of them. They end up with two. That means it's a bipolar world. Meaning there's two nations or more. So we can see this pattern. It was there with Rome. And I just give you a couple of examples that you, that is the most known. Later on, Pax Britannia. Do you remember Pax Britannia? Peace on Britain at the time. Pound was the currency. And England influenced the world and, and everything else. 1849 to 1851, the morality started to come down. And it's not to give you a history lesson, but I'm just trying to help you to see the weather pattern that has been going on. Because if we do not see the shift of the season, it is totally possible. And in your own life, and what's going on on a global level with 7.3 billion people in the world today, and where does America fit in, and what's going on in the Middle East, and all of those things. Because if you do not understand, the Bible says that the sons of Issachar, they understood the time. They had an understanding of the time, but they also knew what to do. And the biggest frustration for a lot of us is we don't know what to do. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to be able to. We're actually being influenced by these weather patterns because we're not aware of what's going on. If I could just show you the other side how it looks like, it gives pain purpose. But not being able to see is the biggest frustration because you're being blinded. You're suddenly moving into a winter season and it doesn't make sense because the thing that was working in the previous season right now, it seems like everything is about to die. But you do not see how spring is coming yet. And then you don't know how the summer is going to look like. And then how the fall. When the harvest times comes. So I'm putting this together. It's an 1849 to 1851. Because England had the highest morality. In the earlier stages. Even in regard to the colonization. It was actually to provide education. It was to help people. When that's the morality. Then God moves with the kingdom and spirituality. You had mission movements that was going on. Including what's happening in India and all over the world. But then when they started to lose this morality, other nations raised up. Then you remember the fighting for colonization. Who's going to control the different parts of the world? So like France took a lot of the northern part of Africa, or you would see Portugal took places like Mozambique and Angola. We could just go on and on and on. Of all around the world, these different nations are fighting for position of who's going to control the world. That led to both World War I, and that's when all the Turk Empire, that was the last time the Muslim on a global level had a great influence. And that's part of the dishonor that they want to restore back again, and why people want to restore caliphate, and why the Muslims don't forget, because it is an honor and shame society. We don't understand that. The Jews says you've broken the law. They don't care that. You dishonor me, so we're going to punish you, and we have to restore honor. And it has to do with worldview. I'm saying that just for us to be able to get a little bit more clarity what's going on. But then we saw something else that happened and World War II came in. What happened with all those polar? You were left with a war. After the war was over, it was a bipolar world again. Who was it? The Soviet Union and America. Then the tension is communism or capitalism. Socialism or this free world. And you just could go on and on and on. 
This continue again, and the tension is going on all over the world, and everybody is trying to fight for, either you're going to be a communist, and that's why even when we want to end the war in Afghanistan, because Soviet Union has taken over. And if you remember that whole crisis, but I'm helping us to see a picture here, because there's a connection was taking place. Then the morality starts to fall down, other nations came in, and it started to create... And you see these tensions that's going on because it's the same thing that is happening here. Now it's just another. There's been 26 of these before from the creation until now. So if we just could see the weather pattern, you can at least have an understanding that this is a typical weather pattern when you're moving from a unipolar world to a multipolar world. So that's just one indicator. I'm just giving you one here of the weather patterns that is going on. But here you are seeing something. Remember first the Berlin Wall came down. Do you remember that? And then after that, then you have Ceausescu. There was another key strategic, December of 1989. Then you started to see the Soviet Union eventually when the Iron Curtain came down. And you could just see one thing. And who was left? America was left with a unipolar world. The 26 nations is the beginning of mankind that has been entrusted. Why? Not because the greatest spirituality, but the greatest morality. Why is that? And we have to ask the question, why? Because the goodness of God. Because that's how he can move. Because when a nation has morality, they want what's best for the whole world. And that's when the kingdom is coming in. So from, I give you an example, practically speaking, then from 1999, excuse me, 1991 to 2001, September 11, if you remember that. During those 10 years, 335 million people in the world got saved in 10 years. There was an expansion of the gospel. Why? Because the morality of America at the time during this season was eventually, we're we are here to bless nation. We're here and we're sending out missionaries and even with our military forces, with an American passport, you could get into places around the world. But in that, you could also have Gideon Bibles as you were going in. And you had all these opportunities to do things. And that was the weather pattern we had uh, that September 11 changed it. And then the question is in history is when you have a major attack, how do you respond to it? Are you going to operate from a fear perspective? And if you do that, whatever you fear comes against you. But then we were losing the morality because of this very thing. And this is what's happening in Paris. And the ones that is behind it is an enemy who comes to kill, steal and destroy But in the middle of all of that, we have to also again connect with what God is up to, what God is doing, and to be able to get kingdomized. So I'm just helping you to be able to get a little bit of language because now I'm going to go into the message. I gave you just a little framework of history. So America's losing its polar wall. The year afterwards, China came in and says America's no longer going to maintain a unipolar wall. Then you saw United Arab Emirates started to sell their dollars. And you have started to see the position, what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on in India. And why does China and India, that has totally opposition... But even there, the other polar will start to come, again, come in unity just to right to remove certain one. That's what happened with BRICS. For some of you familiar with that, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Now they're creating a new currency. Why? Because they're no longer led a dollar. So all the money we borrowed in dollar, but they are going to now, while they borrow money from China, so China can pretty much do what they want in the world. Because you owe $1.4 trillion. So in the middle of that, as you're they bought up U.S. bonds, and if you, you cannot correct them because you owe them, because whoever you owe, you're going to be a slave to the, you're going to be a slave to the lender. So I'm just saying that this whole system that is in place right now, God is setting up something very beautiful and great. All I'm trying to do is to wake up believers to get involved in what God is doing. 
If not, you're going to be distracted by what God is not doing. But let me then personalize it in your life. You are going through also a season and transition. And I want to give you the biggest secrets that I have found. And I just want to share with you where I'm at in this. Because I'm getting very, very overwhelmed by some of the things taking place. Because again, I'm, I'm looking at, like including on Wednesday, I met with one who is one of the top terrorism ex- experts in America. Who has been in the special forces, but now he works in an anti-terror group. And he has been in the interview with ISIS, and he's been in there watching these things going on. And he came forward for prayer and just wanted a baptism of love. I had a colonel sitting on the second row when I was speaking at the voice of the apostle this or not second, he was sitting on the third row, at the voice of the apostle this year. And I have the letter in my bag with him. But this colonel has led five major missions and he's taken tens of thousands of troops, both in Iraq. He's one of the most decorated officers. He came home with post-traumatic stress disorder, like a lot of them have. But he've had several tours. But he again will go, and he will do this for his country. He signed up to serve this country, and he'll love this country. But he also realized that what he did is over 29 years of faithful serving this country. He was very much damaged, and a lot of the things he had seen had brought a lot of hatred towards the Muslim world. I didn't know, but he wrote a long letter to me. But then he had an encounter with the Father's love. He had a baptism of love. He sat there, and waves of liquid love just moved into the meeting. Brought a shift to this colonel, and he wrote the letter. He's still serving with great honor this country. But he doesn't have... Fear is not the motivator why you do it. He has a greater motivator than love. And perfect love always casts out fear. So you just have a totally different motivation. The love I have for God and the love I have for my country. It certainly have a big enough yes that it's easy for me to say no to anything else. So we're going through personally speaking, family, our economy, all of these different things. I wish we could, because I'm creating a school called World Changers Academy Online just to help people. Because I'm taking the last 20 years and I want to multiply it. Give it to other people to go through processes so we can be full of power, love, and wisdom. That's how we conquer fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear. But I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind in the middle of it. That's the gift from heaven that has been given to everyone that are spirit-filled believers. It's coming into an alignment where love is in the center and then the wings is full of wisdom and power. That was part of what I did yesterday. What I wanted to talk a little bit today, and I share with the leadership. We spent about four and a half hours together this afternoon. I'm just giving you a very short highlight, but then I'm going into this secret. That is, David is a key for this season for us. King David. It is upon that throne that God is going to build a kingdom. Meaning there's a picture of David that he's going to build a kingdom on earth that looks like heaven. And the last time you saw that in all history was Solomon. Say Solomon. Solomon, Solomon come from the word Shalom. Say Shalom. <laughs> it's peace. The increase of his government and the increase of his shalom shall have no end. Yeah. Isaiah 9, 6. So, and his throne, and that's also connected to the throne of David, is going to what? It's going to last forever. So that we have often taken a lot of these things into the time when you get to heaven instead of when heaven invades earth. He says actually... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. We are focused to get people to heaven instead of bringing heaven to people. 
But in the middle of all of this, what's happening with so many of us that we are not able to reign in life because the enemy, what he wants to do, including my own life, he's trying to stop us finding our destiny. So if you're looking at your life and you see where the enemy's pattern, so when you're looking at the life of David then, and let me just use one verse, 1 Kings 5.4. The 1 Kings 5.4 is a very significant verse for me because that gives me a reason to dream. And I know this church is part of that dream. And that is, I would like to, and I mentioned it earlier today, I would like to create an inheritance by the time I'm gone and then raise up a whole generation that what has become my ceiling is their floor. But I want mature sons and daughters that know how to take responsibility of inheritance, how to honor it, how to value it, so they can steward it, and they can build another ceiling that becomes the floor for the next generation. And you say, well, I thought Jesus is coming back soon. Yeah, I would rather plan in generations, because anyone else, they missed it in the past, including this great book that sold millions. It was the bestsellers that talked about, oh, Jesus is coming soon. 1974. And that's one of the reasons we have abortion in America. It's because the believers was going to get to heaven. The rapture was going to take us out of here. So why do we? The believers had a chance to have a tipping point. The same also when it comes to marriage act. The same with having ethics professors in Harvard. The same one in every area of society. We were invited to coming in and to rule and reign with him. But we didn't care because we're going to get to heaven. We're going to get out of here. And then God can start to punish those bad sinners. It was a worldview debate. We lost the worldview. And then as a result, we have changed the belief system. And now we're going into a culture right now where we are not actually influencing the culture. The culture is influencing us. And I'm not saying that to expose. I'm just saying that, wow, I have some solution for that. And that is a kingdom family of sons and daughters of glory that know how to host heaven, that has a dove, not pigeons on them. Pigeon religion is messy. <laughs> and the pigeons makes a lot of sound. And you remember there was a dove that came up on Jesus. And the dove remained there, didn't visit. We do not need just a visit of the dove during worship service. We need the same dove that was during the worship here. The same dove needs to be in our marriages and into our home with our kids, or into our workplaces. It's how we become environment changer. So here's the picture that I wanted. First Kings 5.4. It says there was rest on all sides. Say rest on all sides. And there was no adversary. Say no adversary. And no evil occurrence. That's over whole Jerusalem that there is rest on all sides. Imagine if you're coming into the Bay Area. I mean, I know Doug Addison's going to be here and the words he had had. But, but for me, it would be the dream if I'm coming into a big area like the Bay Area here. As soon as you're coming in, stage four cancer cannot live because there is rest on all sides. There's no adversary and no evil occurrence. Imagine if there is no divorce. Imagine there's no crime. Imagine that there's no addiction. Imagine that because there is rest on all sides. There is no adversary. There's not one single evil occurrence. That's in that covenant lesson of what we have. But how did Solomon establish in Jerusalem with the rest of the kings, including Queen Sheba, she is coming in to study this model and a prototype. And what they're saying, even the way they are setting up the table looks like heaven. And they're getting convicted. I mean, it was like they saw a prototype and he created on earth something that looks like heaven. 
And there was rest on all sides. No adversary and evil occurrence. Why is that set up in the scripture? Both because I think that God is looking for a people that have a greater covenant to tap into that. That's normal. Because the picture of David is to create something that's going to be a ceiling for a Solomon where there's shalom, where there's peace. But the reason we have freedom today is because people died on beaches in Normandy. Or Second World War in the Philippines. Somebody paid. That's why I'm playing. I have freedom because of the price that somebody paid. But what we have done many times, what we have done is we have consumed inheritance. Instead of taking responsibility. And instead of stewarding what was paid for us. We've been eating up. So it's like the parents after Second World War that build. And suddenly in the next moment when we received a torch that we were supposed to take to the next level. We actually consumed what has been paid instead of in the next moment creating a new ceiling for the next generation. And this is what we are repenting and coming into a shift. So here is the picture with David and the one thing I'm going after. David had four primary seasons in his life and so do you and I. It was Bethlehem. Say Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Bethlehem is when David started out and so do you and I. This is... The season of foundation. Bethlehem, every single one, every king is born in Bethlehem in a season. Bethlehem is when you learn to be faithful in the natural. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. David was born in Bethlehem. Jacob buried Rahab, the, excuse me, Rachel. Jacob buried Rachel, the love of his life, and you would still find your love being buried in. If you, if you have left your first love, go back to Bethlehem and find it. When Ruth and Naomi, and there was famine in the land, Naomi eventually, through covenant relationship, Ruth was willing to give up everything because they were going to Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem means also, it's pretty much where the bread oven is, where there's fresh bread. I don't know if you have experienced it, but I'm a European, and you can maybe hear it on my accent. <laughs> Some of you thought I was from Georgia, but... That's just a need for this gift of discernment in this season. <laughs> because deception is very deceiving. I can be a wannabe Georgian, but I will never be a Georgian. But I live in Georgia and I love Georgia. I love the sweet peaches. And... But what we're seeing here, as I'm saying, to take it back again, Bethlehem, let me just hang around Bethlehem for a few moments this season is when David learned how to play a harp and this is what we're all going to do in this season all I'm going to do is give you a secret because all of us pretty much is in a dullum America and the world is in a dullum that's the next season so I'm just going to clarify that that's where most of the churches that's where most of the world, the country, the world has become a worldwide orphanage while the father heart is I want my family back from all nations, tongue, tribe. I want them back. I want my family back. He sent his only begotten son to become an orphan so that we could be sons and daughters. To bring us back again to a loving father. And the father is going to see his dream being fulfilled. That it's going to be over a billion souls is at stake right now. But it's not to the father. He's inviting, but he has chosen to do it through sons and daughters, through you and I. Through a family, not through an orphanage, but through a family. We're not competing with one another. We're completing one another. 
It's a culture of celebration, not toleration. It is not a place of independence, but interdependence. Well, we're going to need one another. It is when we're getting so healthy, the immune system of the body of Christ. If you're just sitting by the side of somebody, you should get healed. Because a life flows towards one another. When one of this stock goes up, all of our stock goes up because this is a family business. So that's why I'm not jealous when I'm hearing some amazing things that God is doing to a certain individual. I have that wow effect. Because that's my brother, that's my sister. And their stock went up, so did mine. But that's also why I can weep with some of you that are weeping. Because if the enemy attacks you, he attacks me. Because this is a family business. So we're after something in this Bethlehem season. The biggest thing that I see is so many of us hearing language about we're going to go to Zion. And that's the language I give you. That is going to set up something for the shalom season and heaven on earth. But I'm telling you something that the problem right now that we have is that we have all these people. They would like us to build bridges from Bethlehem to Zion. Man builds bridges. God builds valleys. So when you're here, you're going to go from glory to glory. It looks like this. So some of us are a little frustrated because they say, God, I'm on this mountain and you said I was going to go there. But then Jesus, I said yes to this. And now I'm walking down here and it's like, where are you going, Jesus? And it's creating a little frustration in this season. Because, and then we're getting into this wilderness. And it was one picture that I had. And I'm going to share this picture with you. I'm landing this in 20 minutes and 12 seconds. But I'm putting very good language together, and I will end up with a thing that I think is going to help you to camp. I put five minutes on what really matters in the end here, that you're going to drink, drink very deep from. But it's going to take you through all of these different seasons, including if you can continue to stay there, it's going to take you to Zion, the place where you learn how to rule and reign together with him here on earth. You can look at Romans 5.17. You can look even in Revelation, in the book of Revelation. It talks about this company of people that are reigning with him. So it is definitely, it's not that God has any problem in this equation. God is a sovereign God. And God wants to accomplish certain things here on earth that is in heaven. The only thing that God is looking for is a family to do it because he's not going to do it through orphans. He's going to do it through sons and daughters that reflect who Papa is. That has his very nature. They love like he loves. They honor like they honor. And that's exactly with all this shaking going on. There's things in our life that still can be shook. But why are we holding on? Let go. So. I was driving my car with a very well-recognized lawyer. He used to be the vice president of the largest law firm in Nebraska. But it's, he, he kind of has sold out in regard to business, and he decided to take up the family farm. But he's been a master at business acquisition, and he started to buy up larger farms around. This is in Illinois. And as he bought up these farms, he had over 3,000 acres of, of corn, sweet corn, and also 3,000 acres of soybeans. And I was driving to his property. I stayed at his place as they were driving me 30-some minutes to get to church. And I said, excuse me, Kent, but I said, look at, look at the corn. It looks like all the corns are dying. How, how is business? How is the harvest going to be? 
It says, Leif, there's something very unusual this year. He said, it looked like we, we had drought, drought for a very long time. And it looks like we're going to lose the harvest. I mean, businesses was going to go under. But then eventually there came clouds and there was a mighty amount of water that suddenly came. And it was pouring, pouring rain and it wouldn't stop. It just rained and rained and rained. Normally speaking, we would have lost everything just because of all this rain. But what happened when the drought season was that the roots of the corn went deeper and deeper in desperation to live for water. So they had very deep roots. So when the water came, it got so heavy, it went so deep. And all those corns that have deep roots got hold of all the nutrition and all the water. And now we're going to have the best harvest ever. So do not underestimate the process when you're feeling like, oh, the roots are going deeper and deeper. Because it seems like everything is so dry. Because when the rain comes, only the one with the deep roots is going to be entrusted with the fruits. So if we want to be rooted and grounded in love, we want to be rooted and grounded in that river. Whoa! And then from our innermost being, it's going to flow rivers that comes from those deep places. The deep places with God. In the secret place where you get the secrets. Whoa! (laughs) But let me just describe Adullam to you. Do you remember? I'm I'm taking you back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, say that with me. Faithful in the natural. Adullam. The name Adullam means justice of the people. But Adullam is faithful in the middle of your needs. When you, you go now into a cave, it's the dark night of the soul. It is the winter season in the Christian life. It is when you're coming in and it doesn't make sense. Because I have these words over my life. I have these prophecies. I've been in the present. This is what God says. Instead, I'm in a cave. I was faithful to Saul, but now he's trying to kill me. It's like an eagle. I'm losing my feathers. I'm losing my vision. I'm losing my beak. I'm not able to soar any longer. I was created to soar in the heavenlies, but instead I'm standing alone on this rock. The molting eagle, the dark night of the soul, there's many ways to describe it, and some of you recognize. It's been a long, long night, and it seems like the sun is never going to come up again. It was 10 years ago today. I was in a treatment center in California. In the middle of the darkest moment of my life, and I couldn't see anything. But I didn't realize that waiting was working, and working was waiting. It was a very, very dark season. The reason I'm saying that, I can help you through this season to get on the other side. What you're learning at Dulham, if you can pick up the nutrients, it can last 40 years, but it can last 40 days. For Jesus, it's lasted 40 days. And for some people, like Moses, it took 40 years. It took him 40 years to get qualified, Moses. But it took him another 40 years to get disqualified. That's how he became qualified. It took 40 years to get Moses out of Egypt. It took another 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. And at that moment, he could have that burning bush experience. And lay down his identity of what he had and what he did for God and everything else. And pick up what God had. So he could hold up his ability, his strength. His presence, His sufficiency, His rod. And we're holding up the rod of God, who He is in the middle of it. Wow, light will penetrate darkness. You will be an environment changer. But in the middle of this thing, in the Adullam season, in that cave, what God wants to restore is our identity. Say identity. It's identity of being beloved sons and daughters. The second thing that God wants to restore is His value. Say value. 
It's not just David, but what David and his darkest moment, he sends 400 other people with their darkest moment, and they go through this together. And then the third thing, he wants to restore the dreams. Say dreams. It was not just a man after God's own heart. He wanted a culture after his own heart. The season of superstars is over. The season of superheroes have come. Who are the superheroes? The sons and daughters. Blessed are the peacemakers because they are the sons of God. The sons and daughters is the peacemakers, not the peacebreakers. The one that can bring shalom because they are at peace. And you can only give what you have. And when there's shalom in your mind, shalom in your heart, shalom in your body. But if you're constantly having, being at war and not finding peace. So I'm going to give you a secret even in the middle of all the, it's going to get turbulent. And if you feel that, I'm not here to speak any negative, but I just want to prepare you that I believe in the most glorious. I've never been more excited because I'm in a light business. And every time I read on the news, there's more darkness. You see, I'm heading over right in the middle of it. So I'm not talking, but I'm saying it's going to give an opportunity now for the kingdom. We're going to eventually come into a season that all this system that we build that is not kingdom, a kingdomless church, or even a church that just have kingdom as another program, is not going to be able to work against the kingdom of darkness. The only thing is going to be the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of the king and his domain through sons and daughters in every area of our life. To do that, he takes you through a training for reigning program. Congratulations. The good news is he doesn't kick you out of the school. The bad news is you have to take the same grade over and over again until you pass it. And some of you have been 40 years in the same school, first grade, just learning the basic because you're whining instead of shining. Well, he says, consider all joy when these trials comes against you. Because it's going to lead to upgrades. I I, I mean, I, I thought I backslid a while back because there was a day I didn't have any major problems. And I was thinking, how am I going to get an upgrade? Because if fear comes against me, that's an invitation for me to have an upgrade in love. So who he is is what I become. And what I become is what I release. With a sadness coming against me, it's an invitation to have an upgrade in in joy. And then the joy of the Lord is my strength. And in His presence, there's fullness of joy. And I release waves of joys into the sadness. So all these things is invitation for upgrades. So any good runner knows that the wind that is in opposition to come against you, or sailor, or anything else, or an eagle, it just makes me soar higher. Until I get to the other sides of the storm clouds, find a place of rest. Resting on eagle's wings. Soaring in the heavenlies, seeing the invisible in rest. Let the wind work and we rest. So we are going to learn to find the hard work of rest. I don't know if you got that. We're going to learn the hard work of rest. So here it is. Then the next season is Hebron. Say Hebron. This is where God wants to take us. And some people are entering there. But this is the highest place. This is the most difficult place. That's when you move. Because in Adullam, everybody comes to see what they can get. But if you're in Hebron, everybody here will come in today and say, what can I give today? If you're in Adullam, everybody see, how, how can I be blessed? If you're in Hebron, you will come and say, who can I be a blessing to? That will be the whole thought pattern. 
That's what happened with David's 400 men. They became 600. Before you can take Hebron, you need to have that culture in place. And that's the higher place. And if you can make that highest place, you're actually going down to Zion. That's why David was the only one that conquered Zion. The rule and the reign of heaven on earth. The reign of God was being established. And then when Solomon received an inheritance, Solomon had wisdom that came from shalom, from peace. And wisdom is you can be a master builder and to build a kingdom when there is peace. But to do that, you have to honor David in your life. The ones that pay the price so that you can have what you have. But here is the thing, and now I'll land this with the last five, six minutes. In this season, I've been looking. I have, at least I have good time. They don't end before nine. I want to at least have some ten minutes I take. Can I go? Are you okay? Because I want you to see. Here's the pattern. Say Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Faithful in the natural. A harp. Say, I got a harp. Because I'm a worshiper. It is the audience of one. It is this one thing I desire. This one thing I long for. I just want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. I just want to gaze upon your beauty. Whoa, you're so beautiful. You prepare a table right in front of my enemies. Whoa! Surely goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. Whoa! It's the harp. The harp sees how big God is. But now the next thing is, it's not just the heart, it's also the hand. Say hand. It is the sling. Say sling. Because I'm a warrior. You have some people that are worshippers. And they know how to go into the present and into the secret place. But they have not developed the skill set to solve giants. There's other ones that's learning the skill sets, but they are not worshippers. They are not in the presence. So they know how big God is. So it's them against the giant with their weapons. But we need people that have developed both the hearts and the hands. That's what David did. So what we need here in this season is both to have, say, hands, hearts, and history. If you have a history, so David, when he faced Goliath, when you are seeing the ISIS, what well, David has been faithful when there was a beer coming after, or there was a lion, he had been faithful, and he had a history with God. It's called memory stones. You remember the faithfulness of God. The same God that was faithful, the same God that healed me then. When I sat in that wheelchair, the same God that healed me earlier, is going to be the God that heals me again. Because I have memory stone of his faithfulness. And there is time in the dark night of the soul, you cannot hear. There's time that you will not be able to see. There's a time when nothing makes sense. And I've been there. There's a time you're right in the middle of, like John the Baptist in a prison cell. And you even start to question if any of these things can be true. I went so dark in my life that in this moment, if you have done a lie detector three weeks earlier, in the shadow of myself, the sitting in Muslim in Dar es Salaam, and his crippled limbs are straight, not just sitting in my shadow behind me, Muslim. And I'm not saying that, I'm saying that I was dysfunctional, addicted to opiates. I was so high on opiates just to be able to make it because I had so much pain. I've been spending 11 years. So this is 10 years and two weeks ago, that meeting in Dar es Salaam. And a week later, I'm in a treatment center in California. The presence had lifted. The spirit was in me, but not upon me. And there's a big difference. Because the spirit in you is for yourself. The spirit upon you is for everybody else around you. And I had nothing to give. 
And if you had taken a lie detector, it's life. Had God ever used you? I said, I do not know. I literally couldn't think about one single thing. That's what I'm sharing with you is have memory stones. Carry, that's what I have to take with me because this time I cannot hear his voice. There's times I cannot see his face. But you can never take away from me. You can never take away the memories. And what I do is then I start to rehearse. And I look at the picture. I carry those videos. I do it for myself more than I do it for you. And I watch it over and over and over again. I see it over and over again until my hearing comes back. And when my hearing's back, my sight comes back. And I don't see how big Goliath is, but how big God is. So just we're learning in this season, 10,000 hours probably David had just playing this harp when nobody's watching. And he had another 10,000 hours to hit the same target over and over again with his sling. That's about four hours a day for a 10-year period of time. While he's taking care of the daddy's sheep. So he learned to be son in the natural before he became a son to Saul. Before he could become a king with a throne. So I'm saying some of these lessons, but here is the very verse. And then this is what I've been after. I'm in a season, as I'm saying, with God just four months ago, I think, helped me. Because I'm going through another one of those seasons. I do not like it. So it's all of us in the middle of it. I have all this favor on a level. I mentioned a little bit yesterday. But I'm telling you, favor on a level that I'm not even read about. It's just, it's like every day you're getting a cock and you come. I mean, it's who is whom that you will know. In every area, from top governments to top business to top. It's just an extremely strange, but I have not been able to do anything. Mainly because I had this verse for all these seasons. And the verse is actually, I'm standing there and I'm looking at Zion. I'm looking at the rule and reign. I've been on this long process that has taken with broken neck, broken back, 11 years in opium. I've been on a long, at least 20 years journey on the battlefields. And I've scars all over. But in the middle of all of that, as I'm saying, I'm finally there. Now finally you're coming in and you can see the promised land. You can see how God, with all of the things you have set up, everything that you have dreamed of is happening. And then this one verse comes in and messes with you. And let me give you that verse now before you get so excited that you will run and grab my script. <laughs> and it is taken from, whoa, First Chronicles 11, verse 15 to 19. And just to make this legal meeting, I, uh, this meeting legal, let me read it for you. Somebody put on the Facebook, was I the only one that was not offended? Did you see the preacher? I mean, he didn't open his Bible one single time. Somebody else has, but he quoted 36 scripture verses. <laughs> so were they offended I didn't have a dead cow? And, ch- and chopped on some trees to put it? Or if you put it in your heart, which one? But anyway, it's a, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. <laughs> so here it is. And I'm going to open this up here and read it, Yes. And here, let me start in verse 17. This was First Chronicle eleven seventeen. And here, I want you to say, And David said with longing. Say longing. longing. He said it with longing. Say longing. longing. There was a longing. Longing. What is the longing? When, okay, let's see what he is longing for. Oh, oh, that someone would give me. Oh, if someone could give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. 
So three, they broke through the camp of the Philistines. They drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. He, he couldn't even drink it. I want you to capture a couple of things here. When David has an opportunity, he's gone through this process in his life. And some of us, I mean, it's almost like you can see this mountain that is in the front. You're finally up on the top and you can start to head towards where you're supposed to go. But then when you have this opportunity, you have 400 guys that will do anything for you. They, everybody's watching. This is, he is king, and he was anointed as a king, but he's been through this long process. Adullam, the cave, lasted over seven years in a damp cave. I said damp cave. <laughs> just, just my Norwegian accent that sometimes... It's a very prophetic word. So if you, if you tweet me, just damp. How do you spell damp in English? <laughs> I, I maybe would just describe what somebody was feeling about that cave. <clears throat> I don't mean being prophetic here, but <laughs> so here is the season, and I want you to see this is what is capturing me. Four months ago, this verse came in before all this extreme favor on a level. Then as you're looking at all of that and you thought this is your dream, but you said, there's something that I'm aching for. It is not so much the throne. It's not so much the position. It's not even all of the things you spend your life giving your life for that now you have favor for. There's an ache in me, but I didn't know before this verse came in. And then when I saw David, he said, oh, oh, if I just, I had this longing in me. And his longing is, if I could just, whoa, go back to the time when I played a harp. But a harp had no agenda. We didn't worship so we could get something. And we didn't worship so you could change the environment of a song. That just became the byproduct because somebody had practiced an instrument that carried the very anointing, the fragrance of the one they'd been with. It's the one they become like. And the love that he had took away the fear of Saul. Because perfect love cast out fear. It was a covert revival. He changed the atmosphere because he was in a place to become an atmosphere changer. He lived in the atmosphere in the secret of one. He was a beauty seeker. He gazed upon his beauty. He heard his voice. He saw his face. He felt his love. He experiencing his presence. And he was abiding in his pleasure. But David Long, now he's been on the battlefield. You wake up every day, first is in a cave to survive. Then you have 400 other guys. You have to help them to find their instrument so they can get in the present. Then you have to teach each one of them to find their weapon so they can be involved. I mean, he spent all this time while he has his greatest need. He's raising up 400 people with their greatest needs. But eventually all of them, they're so blown away because they found their identity back after all this season, after the cave. They found their value back and they found their dreams back. In a cave. But now David is longing and he's saying, Oh, I wish I could just go back to Bethlehem. He remembered when he was just a shepherd boy. He woke up in the morning and he's like, Baba. And he's looking up. And then he's looking at the sheep. Other people thought, This is nobody wants to take care of sheep. Why David? It's connected to his heart and it's connected to your heart to be faithful and natural. And that's why also, why did Samuel, who's the top prophet in the land, why did he choose David? He maybe watched the ones that was handing out, was doing the sound, was setting up the stage, was setting up the chairs. 
faithful and a natural. But David missed that season. He missed when he just had a heart. He remember when he was taking the sling and he just stood there for hours after hour, hitting that target. Actually, the only assignment with that was uh, he wanted to master this skill set, this weapon of a sling, mainly because he's taking care of these sheep. And this is his daddy's sheep. And even if there are few, and daddy doesn't value perhaps what David is doing, like he valued everybody else and what they are doing. David valued his father because that's what sons do. And he had a dream. And David's dream was his father's dream. He had a vision, and his vision was his father, and that looked maybe insignificant. But to God, it was very significant. It was the heart of a son. And that was connected. So David, therefore, ten thousand four hours a day for this long season, just over and over hitting that target until he mastered this. And he did it mainly with a whole motivation, when there was a beer, when there was a light. Anything that comes against my daddy's sheep, I'm going to protect. I'm willing to give my life to take care of. It was just a season in his life. That's what set him up for Goliath. But he never thought about Goliath. He didn't know. Actually, when he's heading towards Goliath, he's coming with a lunchbox. <laughs> he, he didn't come there to fight a giant. He came there to serve. I, I don't know if you're capturing these things. If you want to be a giant killer. But make sure you have a harp so you know how big God is. Make sure you have a sling so you know how to solve giants. Because actually, we think that David was the underdog. I believe Goliath was the underdog. And one of the statements that David is even saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What is he actually saying? He's saying, who is this uncircumcised? I mean, we could say it if it was the eyes or something. Else. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is trying to mock God? Yeah. Mock the... That's what David is saying. I am in covenant with God. We are one. What's true of him is true of me. And all of our churches are living there. They're living there in fear for this giant. But who is this uncircumcised? Meaning he is not in covenant. I am. And he's a covenant keeping God. He's my healer. He's my sufficiency. He's my strength. He's my provision. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's Jehovah Rapha. Rohi. And you could just go on and on. He is. And the only thing, every problem you have, God says, I am. And the only respond back to that is, you are. And the world around will say, he is. God says, I am. You're what, God? I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your peace. I am your sufficiency. I am your freedom. I am your life. I am. I am. I am. You are. You are good. You are my father. You are big. You are beautiful. You are strong. You are powerful. You are. You are. You are. In America... The Bay Area will say, he is. He's a good God. He's a healer. He is a provider. Look, he is. He is. But it starts with us, with anything that comes against us. It's for us to recognize the revelation of covenant where he says, I am. I'm the covenant-keeping God. And we have to recognize the covenant that we're in with God and one another. Anyway, I could preach on that one. But can, can we go back to Bethlehem and drink? This is what I long for. 
I remember as a Norwegian pastor, Baptist pastor, before God started used to be running a nation, I heard that there is some water going on in Toronto. Didn't matter, I didn't have much money, and my wife was home with a small kid. Before we had kids. But I would travel across the world because I heard there's some fresh. You say, why don't you drink at home? Now I'm hearing there's something fresh. And I would go anywhere in the world. When it was in Brazil, an open heaven, I went to Brazil. When it was in South Africa, I went to South Africa. When it came to Pensacola, I went to Pensacola. And I traveled all over the world. I stood 10 hours in line with a body cast. But not any other desire. I had a thirst in me. I have a hunger for Bethlehem. I want some fresh bread. Because as a Baptist pastor, what we're experiencing here of the presence of God we didn't have. And I wanted his presence. I wanted to hear his voice. There was so much noise. I wanted to feel his love. I wanted to experiencing him. And it didn't matter what it cost. We stood in line till it was late at night. And you get up the next morning with a hunger again. Hungry hearts and open heavens. And I think that sometimes we've lost... The smell of fresh bread. Sometimes we've forgotten how amazing it is to drink from this pure water from the streams of Bethlehem near the gate. What is going to happen is, just remember here, the Philistine had taken over Bethlehem. This is the place that David was born and Jesus was going to be born. This was the place of the foundation. It's to take, the enemy has taken over. And it's time for us to take back again what the enemy has taken from us. But what happened there with David is, David, just David's longing, three of his mighty men, they stood up. They're willing to give their life. It is like going inside the ISIS train and going right in the heart of it to, to be able to just go to a well to get this water, a bottle of water to bring it to David. Can you see the radicality? No, it is a supernatural courage that is going to happen in the whole culture when they recognize in each one of us the things that we are longing for. The most is that pure water. Blessed are the pure in heart because they are going to see God. When the thing that you long for more than you love for anything else is that pure, pure water. And that's why I wish I had a picture. I have it on my phone when I mentioned yesterday. I was just in the Philippines, November 15,000 key leaders there. And I watched first two little girls that was up there dancing. One is a seven years old and the other one's about 11, 12. And I just broke into tears after a while watching and studying these little girls. Because I realized something. They have never tasted anything different than Bethlehem. I've been polluted. I've been on the battlefield. I've been socialized. The system around this world has polluted me, and I've been polluted. I don't know what purity really feels like until I see a little child that I looked into the face. They know security. They know love. They know value. They know comfort. So I said to the leaders, because the leaders, I said, that I'm just sensing that those children, I want any one of the children, all they know is revival. They were born into revival, all they've tasted of is revival. All they know is to drink from this pure water from the streams of Bethlehem near the gate. And I'm longing so much for it. So the only one I want to lay hands on me is those children. And I had top leaders. One guy had 14,000 people. The other one, I mean, there's key leaders there. National leaders of nations celebrating our 10-year anniversary since I started to father this movement. But what I was longing for, can somebody take me back to a place of innocence? Could somebody take me back to when it was simple? Can somebody take me back to a place of purity? Can somebody take me back 
just to go deep, deep, deep. And drink from this water to make you thirst no more. Drink from this water that eventually you're going to drink so deep that from your innermost being there's going to be a river of this water flowing out. And everywhere the river goes, there's going to be life and it's going to bring healing leaves to the nations. I just have this thirst in me in this season. It is not as I'm looking forward into this future and there's so many things that we're going to have to face. I realize that I'm not I'm getting overwhelmed when I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing what we're going to face. But when I just take me a little look back and I see, whoa, it looks like far back in the distance. But I saw some little children. All they know is Bethlehem. And I went there to these children all the way to Bethlehem where they were. And they brought them up and I just showed a picture here earlier. And these children, a little one-year-old even, they lay hands on me. And they prayed until the fire, the flames of love hit me. But then they started to take me into the deep places with God. That it's been so long since I've been. I don't even remember. Maybe it must have been eight or nine years old since last time. And it took me back to those places. And I, one of them took his arms around me. His name is Dave. One of the boys there. But he wouldn't let go. It's like a pit bull holding onto your leg and will not let go. And I'm thinking, I, can, I, I wanted to ask this, but it wouldn't look good for me in front of a thousand people and a camera to ask, throw these children away. But I was telling that this Norwegian is not wired for that much. I don't know if I can handle that much. There was such a power, love, wisdom, and fire at the same time. that he took me into some of the deep places with God, a little child. That afterwards, in front of a thousand leaders, I couldn't. We were going to have a three-hour party and all these games and fun. And I couldn't. You have to get me out of here. And they took me out, got me in a vehicle, took me to the room. Took me six hours for my body to recover. And I tasted just a drop compared to this well of water that is going to be found in this season. Near Bethlehem near the gate. And you're going to drink from that and you're going to see that nothing else. It doesn't matter how dream, it doesn't matter what I feel now when I'm looking at the future. I just go right back in and I drink from that. And Jesus is that living water. Whoa! He is that cistern. He is that well. He is that. Whoa! And you can drink from certain places. There's things that he has in this season. But when we just go back and we be little boys and little girls. Whoa! And we see how big God is. We're learning and just get back to. Can we just have a harp on a daily basis? Wake up in the morning. That's why I've canceled everything from December 15th to February 1st. That's why I'm bringing some of these love partners. I said, hey, when I go to this nation, I, I, want, I, I cannot do conferences to do it. I need to be totally in the deep places with God. And I need some other people that, to help me with it. That's the whole reason for this whole thing. So in six weeks, I'm just going to be there sitting at that pure water. On my 50th birthday, I'm going to sit there on January the 13th. Because that's going to be my jubilee to sit there where the children took me. And I'm going to drink deep. And because I'm not, going, I'm not going to go wider than I go deeper. And you can go as wide as you want to go deep. And he's going to take us deep. I don't know how it is with you, but for me there's a longing. Of all the things that I'm facing and everything, I don't know how it is with you. But I cannot go with yesterday's anointing. I cannot go with yesterday's. I enjoy all the things I've seen and experienced. And some of the reasons I even show the video and tell the stories, because so many of us, that's what we're seeing. No, that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing this pure water from the streams of Bethlehem near the gate. 
And the ones that is thirsty, you come and drink. It's going to go into places with you that eventually as we're moving in, this purity, you're going to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They're going to see God. And you're going to see God. And when you see God, everything else you see is going to look different. You're going to see his face. And then the faces of other people is going to be changed because of the faces that you see. Let's stand to our feet. Tonight is just one of those. It's a, it's a night of consecration. But he's just inviting us into the deep places. Some of you, maybe you, you don't say, I don't even know innocence. I don't know what purity feels like. It's been so long that I don't even know how to define that season when there was not the battlefield or there was not another war or there was not another intercession or there was not another cry or there was not. I've forgotten how that feels like. And that's what these children reminded me about. I wish we had just the whole children church just to come and, whoa. But our children in the Philippines, the reason I brought them forth, they don't know anything else but revival. They, they were brought up when our revival came and we've had revival going on now. And it's flowing into 22 countries. We're spreading the fire now to 100 nations in the next 10 years. Over half of the nations are the wall. And the flames continue to burn, and they continue to burn brightly without burning out. Because they know how to burn intimacy of their lover. They have deep, deep wells of oil. And it's burning oil, not flesh. And I'm just uh, sensing in the spirit very, very deep that the ones that wants the deep places. It's just a time of consecration. And I know the team is going to pray for people afterwards. I've only done this a couple of times, but I'm leaving. This is, I'm leaving from here to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and then I will start to crash land. I'm going to go into some wilderness season where my roots is going to go deeper. I don't like it. But it's a good, good father that is willing to take me deeper. And I'm not doing it so I can go wider. It just become the byproduct. Are you thirsty? I don't know what is the longing in your heart. Longing for purity. Longing, longing for simplicity. Longing for the time when, whoa, it's just you and him. Or you can hear his voice clearly. And all the other sound stops. That little whisper of a loving father to his son and daughter. When you see his face, whoa. <laughs> It's so overwhelming. Whoa! Looking in his beautiful eyes. Whoa! It changes how you see things. I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to just invite, and you're going to start to feel it, because this is not one of those that you can work up. I'm just sharing. This is a heart-to-heart. I'm just sharing with you. There's going to come a season where if you have deep wells, if you have this little bethlehem, it goes back to... Basic sonship. It goes back to playing a harp, having a sling, seeing a little pure water. Just go back to that time. If you have that place in your life, you're going to make it through this next season. You're going to make it through the wilderness. You're going to make it through the future and the things to come. And this is just an invitation for you to come and drink. So I'm going to, if you want to kneel or come to the altar. But Father, I just invite right now the very spirit that is giving us an invitation to go in deep. There's these beautiful, beautiful streams on water that's going to release such a courage 
And I just sense that there's such a courage that is being released in this season. And all over the place, when people are finding out how valuable this water is to you, it's going to release courage of the people that is around you. And I do sense it so clearly, and we've seen it over and over again, the people that drink from this water, they're getting physically healed. There's people that are getting emotionally healed. The people that are drinking from this water, they're being transformed by this water. The people that are sitting by, whoa! It's that living water to make your thirst no more. The only you thirst for is more. <laughs> because it makes you thirst no more. So there is more, more, more. Father, I just want to release this grace. I need that grace. So I need them to pray for me. But I, I, I received something from some children that had something that was so pure. And it went so deep. And I want to invite my family here to go deep, deep, deep. To drink from this living water, this pure, pure stream. Father, I just release right now, Father, for any of the pollution that's come in. Even for the season in the wilderness when, whoa, so many. And I know there's people in the molting season. There's people there in the cave. There's people there that feel forsaken. People that feel rejected. The people are wondering even, when is this winter season going to let go? There's people that are just feeling this whole, whoa, when is the sun coming up again? When does the snow melt? When, whoa, you're feeling it's been such a long, long winter for some of you. And it doesn't seem like springtime is coming. But he's just saying, hey, in the middle of it, when you feel you're fighting through the winter, just go back a little bit. Go back a little bit. Because there's a little place called Bethlehem. This is before the winter season came. There's a little stream there. There's a little water, a little bit of living water. Just drink 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 from that and it's going to sustain you through the wilderness and bring you into the next season whoa more there it is yeah more start to bring healing some of us brings us back to childhood some even has to, again before we were born is the real us that tasted of this because even before you were in your, we were in your mother's womb he knew you Somebody that was thirsty. Father, I just want to honor my family here in the whole Bay Area. Just want to honor this season. I know that from heaven, all he is looking for sons and daughters that will reign in life. He wants all of us to go to Zion. But the long journey of the seven and a half years in Hebron and over seven years in Adullam and the long season in Bethlehem, some of us will feel I cannot get through this next stage. And we just, but he says, I have a secret for you. And even with Solomon, do you know Solomon had principle, he had wisdom, but he didn't have the presence. And that's how he lost. He eventually lost it because he forgot how it was just to drink. That the main thing, he certainly could rely on his wisdom. And rely on his prosperity. In a land of abundance, he forgot how it was to be thirsty. He forgot how to go back to Bethlehem and be hungry. David never forgot. And neither do you and I. Just to come to his table and eat. Whoa! And drink. And every time we come, and it's like, we're just hungry. We're just thirsty. We just want you. The best thing about God is God. It's not what he's going to do for us. It's just who he is. 
Father, just overwhelm us. Let us get so overwhelmed by you that there's nothing else that can overwhelm us. Let us get so overcome by you that we're going to be overcome by anything else. Let us just, even in this season, as we are drinking deep, let us just sensing now that something is taking place in our spirit, in our soul, in our body. Refreshment, renewal, healing, restoration, redemption. There's something taking place as we drink deep, deep, deep. Just take a few seconds, hold your hands on your heart. There it is. You're going to sense it right now. You're going to find rest. <laughs> I'm sensing it. There's, the restlessness is being broken right now. You're going to find rest. You're drinking. Whoa! For a well of rest. Rest. <laughs> There's rest in your soul. Rest in your mind. There's a shalom following... Whoa, it's drinking deep from the well of shalom. <laughs> there's wellness, there's completeness, there's wholeness. Oh, shalom alachem. There shall be peace, 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 says the Lord. <laughs> it's drinking from the well of peace. Whoa, until we become peace and blessed are the peacemakers. Whoa. Father, just release right now that. Rest. I just also want to release now healing to people's body. I just ask even as they're drinking and just resting in this water. Father, I just ask that the season we're going to come in, even we're going to be drowned in the living water that makes us stir. It's not going to just be up in our ankle, but eventually after drinking, we're going to start to swim in it. <laughs> we're going to, whoa. There's going to come a season where we're going to, that ocean of love. True. Mm. So just release healing now to your body. You're going to feel a healing to the spinal cord, healing to that asthma, the bronchitis, asthmatic bronchitis. Whoa, healing to flow. Healing to that right ear that has that ringing sound, healing. To that left knee when you have, whoa, I don't know what it is, but it's like bone to bone down the left knee and makes a sound. Healing to that tailbone, the tailbone, the tailbone. It was broken during childbirth. Healing right now, just flow. And afterwards, just sit on it four or five times, and you're going to see it's being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Childbirth was supposed to be a joy, but the enemy was trying to take the joy away from you. So the tailbone are being healed in the name of Jesus. Healing, wow, to the rotary cuff on the right shoulder that you can even just start to lift it because as you drink from this water, there's healing wherever the river goes. It's the living streams that will just start to flow and wherever the river goes, there is life and there's life in every area of your life. Healing to that neck, whoa, healing to that neck. You're starting to move the neck and you're going to start to sense like, whoa, is that oil that is flowing in? Shoo, that is flowing in. <coughs> 
freedom. There's freedom. Freedom in the river. Whoa! So, Father, I just want to release now. Let it just start to flow here. Let a river start to flow. <laughs> All right. Shoo, more. Let a river just start to flow now. <coughs> Whoa! Just a few more minutes. Let's just linger in this. And all I'm trying to do now is to. I wanted to give us some language. What the Father has in this season. There's a safe place you can always. Safe place where you can find Him. There's a safe place that you can drink from. There's a safe place. Whoa. Where you can find Him. There's a safe place that would release courage of everybody around you. And we'll bring hope into hopelessness. It will bring strength in the middle of weakness. Whoa! It will be authority out of intimacy. There will be freedom for the ones in bondage. And it will be healing and life flowing. Hmm. Could you just start playing over us and rest? And we're here. That's good. Take a few moments and I'm just going to... Whoa! Just also hang out with you here because I'm just joining you in the drinking business. I'm thirsty. Shoo. Oh, then I might drink from the water of that. Oh.